Okay, so let's go over my notes with this for this podcast with uh, Mark Andreessen. Mark Andreessen uh, is probably best well known as the founder of Netscape. He was the creator of Mosaic, which was the first uh, widely used uh, web browser. And some people also know him because he also founded the venture capital firm Andreessen Horowitz and another software company called Opsware. Um, okay, so he was asked the question, um, is there even such thing as a new idea? And he said, it's really rare. So usually if something looks like a new idea, it's just because you don't know the lineage of all the failed attempts that came before. So there's a prehistory to basically everything. And he's going to give us an example of that. He says, one of my theories is it, there, uh, it may just be that there's a fixed number of new ideas that the world could absorb every year. He also says he hopes he's wrong about this, this theory. And he says, it's kind of like a path dependency. I'll give you my favorite example. There was a company called Autoped. And they brought to market the electric scooter in 1910. It looks exactly like somebody using an electric Lime scooter today. And uh, Lime was founded in 2017. He actually uh, said you should Google it. So I actually did. I actually linked um, the Autoped Wikipedia page in the email. So you can actually go and take a look at this. But it is kind of fascinating that over 100 years ago, people were having the same exact ideas. So it kind of speaks to not only the idea of path dependency, but that there is a prehistory to basically everything uh, that we see. Uh, so then he's asked the question, what do you think about artificial, what did you think about artificial intelligence in the early 1990s? That's uh, the early 1990s is when Mark moved from uh, rural Wisconsin to Silicon Valley. And he said, I thought it had failed. AI had been a pipe dream for 50 years. And so this is the reason I pulled this note out. It's not necessarily just to focus on AI, but I think the point he's making here is really uh, important. He says, when people try and fail to do something for 50 years, there are two possible conclusions you can draw. One, that was a bad idea. And two, it's right around the corner, which is a more logical exp expectation to have. I think most people would say, you know, it's a bad idea. It's, it's going to fail. And he says, I think we all fall into that. The problem is, is, uh, and I guess it could be also looked at as positive, um, for entrepreneurs or a certain company that have failed for a long time, once somebody does crack a problem that, that others have tried, tried and failed at for such a long period of time, they can reap massive benefits. Um, and this, this quote just made me laugh. He says, you fancy better educated founders call them pivots. In the old days, we used to call them fuck ups. So I chuckled when I heard him say that. Um, so it, that quote comes from a larger discussion about that, especially this might have been like this all the time but he was talking about specifically like in modern times um founders the best founders in the world have thought about the problem they're trying to solve for a very very long time so he says i think the thing that's least understood about the best founders is their level of depth the cliche of the founder is it's a kid with a crazy idea and blah 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 no it's somebody who's thought about this stuff for five years 10 years 15 years it may not be visible but they're actually super deep on it, and they've been coming at whatever the thing is for a long time, maybe in different ways. Um, so then they get into this whole discussion about, like, don't be scared to tell people your idea. And the, the great one-sentence summary of why you shouldn't be scared to tell people your idea is this quote that he references. And he says, somebody said, never be worried about telling somebody your idea. If your idea is any good, you're going to have to beat people into accepting it. We're going to talk a little bit about obvious uh, good ideas in a few minutes. Um, oh, so this is another idea or another um, thing that I think is extremely astute. And he says, a big part of distribution, I think, is psychology. Are people ready for this thing? 
How do you convince somebody they want something that they didn't even know existed yesterday? And then, um, so I read, um, I did a podcast a long time ago, or I guess a couple months ago, on Mark used to be a prolific blogger. And there's this thing called the P. Marka Blog Archive. And if you just go to thefounderspodcast.com, you'll see the, the podcast I did on Mark Andreessen, and you can actually download, um, the. it's a free ebook. And it's the entire, it's like the his best hits from his blog. And he's got this whole thing, like, what's the most important thing? Like, you know, is it the person? Is it the idea? Is it the market? Et cetera, et cetera. And he, he says it's basically the market. Like, that's the, 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 the thing that will determine, like, if the market is ready for your idea, then you're going to succeed even if you're, you know, you're not the smartest person or if you, you, you like, it. it's basically the, the market's more important than the person, which I thought was interesting. But he also talks a lot in the, in the blog post and in this podcast about distribution. And... Um, the person that's hosting the blog post, he's a founder of this company called Atka, 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 I don't know how to pronounce this company, but anyways, he he says on the podcast that he feels that the product is 10%, which is really interesting. Like it's kind of counterintuitive, like it's 10% of the reason that you succeed. So what they both agree on is that distribution is key. That you could have, if you have an, uh, a better distribution plan and a worse product, you're going to be more successful than somebody with a better product and a worse distribution plan. So to that point, Mark's saying, hey, we're always talking to our entrepreneurs about cracking the code on the economics of distribution. It is as important as getting the product right because the world is a very big place. People are already very busy and they don't have any room left by default. Um, and then here's some advice uh, that Mark gave the founder of Ot- Oh, you know I can I can never pronounce anything. Um, he says you can never do two things excellently at the same time. So whatever you're going to do, make sure it's the one thing you're going to do. And they talked about how they pick their own ideas. Um, you know, is this something that I'm passionate enough that I can work on for the next five to ten years? Because as a founder, you only get they they talked about you know venture capitalists they can put a bunch of different bets at the same time, right? But as a founder, you might get two, three, four swings at bat. Um, assuming that, you know, you didn't succeed with your first company that you can keep for a long time. I always talk about this idea, like the holy grail of entrepreneurship, I think really is like the Yvonne Chouinard um, model of entrepreneurship. You found a company, you build the best products in the world in, in that category. Uh, you keep it private. You own, all the, you and your family own the majority of it and you're still in business 40 years later. I think like that's the holy grail, right? So to, to Mark's point, if you can only be good, be really great at one thing at a time, I do think a way to kind of filter out the ideas that you want to work on is like, can you, do you feel comfortable working on this idea for the next 10 years? Because the chances are, if you feel comfortable working on it for 10 years you and you're having success that you probably want to continue. Okay. So then he talks about this whole myth of the lone genius. And he says, it's the whole Edison versus Tesla thing. The misunderstood genius, Nikola Tesla had all these great ideas and everybody was too dim to see them. The problem with that is it's not just a person and it's not just the idea. It's the ability to build a team. So the context here is he's talking about how do you build an actual successful company. Um, It's never a solo thing. Can you put together a team? Can you recruit resources around you? Can you recruit a team of co-founders around you? Can you recruit a team of executives, a team of engineers? And can you attract resources? Can you attract investment capital? Can you go get customers? Can you get articles written about you in the press? Can you do all these things that you need to do to be able to make the thing work? So I think what he's talking about there is Edison had, you know, a, a much more commercial success than Nikola Tesla, even if Nikola Tesla had the better ideas. Um, oh, and then I, I love this idea, or I love this, this concept. It's like, okay, do you want to build a product 
that you know there's already demand for for because people are already spending money in that category? Or do you want to try to create something new and then have to um, stimulate and create that demand? Personally, I think like the second category is more uh, interesting, but you can have success in both ways, right? So um, he says the advantage of going into an existing market is people are already spending a lot of money on it. So that's the advantage of the first one. The advantage of the second route is the advantage of going after something brand new is there's no competition. And therefore, if you can stimulate demand, you can probably make a lot more money. And then I'll close on this. This this, uh, this talks about um, I just what I was referencing earlier about um, this idea that if an idea is any good, you're going to have to... Let me look at the quote. Never be worried about telling somebody your idea. If your idea is any good, you're going to have to beat people into accepting it. And he's talking about entrepreneurs. Now, why would he say that? He says, big companies have a special advantage in the world. They get to pursue the good ideas that look like good ideas. As a consequence, what's left are the good ideas that look like bad ideas. And that's the sweet spot for the entrepreneur. So what he's telling you is like, if you have a generally good idea, it's going to look like a bad idea to other people. Now, the problem here is that good ideas, uh, bad ideas that look like good ideas look the same as bad ideas that are bad ideas. And so that's the, the obviously the paradox and the difficulty. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. And I'll be back tomorrow.